0: This week's guest is Rohan Puri, who joins us from London, England. Originally born and raised in Sheffield, Rohan got his start in the industry in his mid-teens when he landed a job as a glass collector at a bar. Being a dedicated and hard worker, Rohan eventually moved on to bartending over the years and worked at several award-winning cocktail bars such as Menzel's, The Great Gatsby, and Barrowboy in Sheffield. Rohan eventually left the bar industry to pursue a career in social research, but he keeps his cocktail skills sharp through his drinks Instagram page, at 2brofurlow, where he's gained several thousand followers and has partnered with various brands such as Woolies, Hog Norton, London Square Spirits, and Casa Agave. Make sure you check him out at 2brofurlow, and that is spelt with a number 2 brofurlow, or check out the show notes for the link. One additional note, if you're going to be in New Orleans for Tales of the Cocktail, Kip will be there from July 27th to the 29th. If you'd like to be interviewed for the podcast, you can DM us on Instagram or email us at info at club. Enjoy the show.
1: Okay, we're back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip Saunders. I'm the host, the producer of the show. Is Dan Sareta
0: sitting with me as always? How's it going, buddy? Going very well, thanks. Uh, no real complaints other than oh, what's well, yeah. new. I know. Congratulations! I ran out of first world stuff to complain about. Now, maybe. <laughs> Everyone, how are things going with you? How's the weekend?
1: Good. Solid weekend. Great show by the Brown Man Ali Electric Trio at Sugar Run on Saturday night. He's going to be performing a few more shows in the future. So you want to stay uh, tuned for the info on that. Also, we should mention that every Wednesday for now, for the foreseeable future, we have Pro Wednesday Stand-Up Comedy with Olivia Stadler. She's a professional comic in Toronto. She's going to be bringing comics from all over the country to Sugar Run every Wednesday night, so you don't want to miss that. And, you know, Babylon Sisters, Uptown Waterloo for all your wine and cocktail needs there. Perfect. But, yeah, that's it. Aside from that,
0: you know, business as usual. That's good. Good mm-hmm. to hear. Yeah, it was a good show on Saturday from what I can remember. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well, we have a great uh, guest, as always, joining us today. I've come from London, England, Rohan Puri. We'll be bringing him in in just a minute. Before we get there, we should mention that the best way to help the show is to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or if you'd like to s- offer sponsorship, it's you can DM us at The Industry Podcast on Instagram, or you can email us directly at info at theindustrypodcast.club. Zach Hanna at ZachHanna.co does all the artwork for the Instagram page so you are going to want to check out all his great stuff that's ZachHanna.co so I think that's about all the uh, stuff we have to mention before we get right to our interview so let's bring in our guest for today coming to us from London England Rohan Puri how's it going Rohan? Hey
2: there yeah good very uh, very well thank you thanks for asking. Perfect thanks for coming on the show. Mm -hmm. No worries no worries at all just enjoying this very strange heat wave (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy there. huh? What what are the temperatures like? So I think it got up to about 38 today, um, which is really weird for London. And London's just not built to handle this kind of heat at all. A lot of concrete, you know, and not a lot a lot of, some green spaces, but not enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that sounds rough.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. actually uh, work today. One of the guys is uh, just south of London, and uh, his laptop kept on overheating when we were in meetings. Yes. Stuff,
2: yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what happened to me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> but luckily, I can work from home. So I didn't go to the office today. I probably won't go tomorrow because I just don't want to get on the tube in the heat. Yeah. Uh, oh,
0: yeah. geez. Yeah. Can I can imagine, that. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, well,
1: yeah. yeah, just stay home in the air conditioning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, that's what's going on in London. We're going to back up a little bit and start talking about your career and how you got into the service industry. You're from Sheffield originally?
2: Sheffield originally, yeah, born yep. and bred, yeah. Yeah, and so what was your first foray into the service industry? So I well, I was about 15. Uh, one of my friends was leaving Sheffield to go, might like, be a rap in Greece or something. And he worked at this really cool cocktail bar called Menzel's. And I think, so it's probably not the first cocktail bar in Sheffield, but I think it was the first cocktail bar to really, like, popularise cocktails, get people out drinking them, and actually, like, make decent, proper, like, balanced drinks rather than, you know, I don't know. Not to talk shit about any of the bars, but the kind of just basic stuff you see in some of the bars that aren't. You know, they're just to sell nice-looking drinks right. rather than delicious cocktails like bartenders, like, like drinking. But I was about 15, he was, like, a bar back slash glass selector. So he left, so he spoke to the managers. Um, introduced me to them and then I started off as a glass collector and I think I can say this now because the bar closed down quite a while ago now probably about 2012, 2011 but obviously the legal age to work in the UK is 16 so I was a little bit underage by about a few months so they got hired in August and so my birthday was in December. But I'd actually already been in drinking the bar for a little while. And they didn't realize because right. I kind of looked, looked quite a bit older uh, for a 15-year-old. Um, so I was working there for a few, few weeks. And then they actually asked me how old I was. And I told them I was 15. And then the manager's face, you just went completely white. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they liked me. that I was a real grafter, they thought. So they kept me on. So I worked there actually for seven years. So, you know, glass collector. I think I trained a bit to have to be a bar back. I was a real good bar back not to tip my horn. I thought I was, you know, on top of everything. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and then eventually, just you know, before I was turning 18, started getting bar trained a little bit. Then when I turned 18, got put on the bar properly. And worked with some just really, real uh, I guess I, I suppose I don't know how famous they would be like worldwide, but I think UK or definitely Sheckle Base work with some real, real good bartenders. Like I can name a few, like there's a guy called Brad Price, he works for kind of like a whiskey company now. There's a fellow called James Hill who owns the Rockingham Group. I'll go into this a little bit later, that's just, Selection of very very nice cocktail bars in Sheffield, so I like, learned a lot of people like that. Some of the guy from Tom Robb Johnson, the guy from Paul Akers. We've I mean, just been in the industry for a while, Just learn kind of the basics there. But Men's was a little bit of um, kind of like Cougar Town, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was kind of like more for the. So it's on a road called Ecclesall Road, which is where I'm from. It's quite affluent area. It's going to get like a lot of like a lot of older crowd, kind of yes, you know, flashing the cash, cash may not necessarily actually have. So it was I kind of. Like, I felt at home there with them, um, like my colleagues and stuff. They were all a really sound bunch, but I guess the kind of crowd itself wasn't really my style. So then uh, I actually quit there uh, in my third year of uni just to focus on uni and like studies, my dissertation and stuff. Uh, so I worked, again, Joss, I worked every weekend from when I was like 15 to 23 or something. So I missed out on quite a bit of socializing, but also like, you know, doing that as well as studying, doing your exams and stuff, that was pretty pretty tough. Um my degree. I don't really know how I did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then took a year off, uh well while while studying. But then I, when I finished my first uh, degree so in the summer uh, so i was going back to uni to do a master's in september but i started at gatsby the great gatsby which is one of the bars part of the rocking group owned by two fellows called james hill and james o'hara and um, so i kind of had it in there because james hill obviously used to work at mentals getting put in a good work for me there obviously there's the bar owner so i managed to get the job quite well yeah got put straight on the bar there and that i felt a bit more at home there terms so of the crowd you know it's quite like a cool kind of edgy place quite hipster real cool crowd there again kind of honed my cocktail skills even more there I'd say, because I was messing around with things like, you know, Mezcal, which I we didn't stock bad mentions at all. Got really into tequila there. Um, that wasn't really my thing, my kind of thing before, that was gin. Uh, but now, tequila and Mezcal are, you know, my favourite spirits. Learned a lot more about, like, the Gronies, probably my favourite cocktail. Um, so, playing around a lot of Campari and the Vermouth. And just the way they presented their cocktails there, which is they took a lot of time, detail, and attention. You know, go there, and you know, you'd never get a cocktail that didn't have a garnish, for example. And doing some, like really, really pretty stuff, like you know, got like edible flowers and stuff like that. And I'd never seen anything like that before, so I was just very, very excited about that.
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's like. Yeah. Um, sounds like you got like a pretty speedy education. What, what kind of time frame or span are we talking about here? So like from when your first barback back job to. A great Gatsby. How many years are we
2: talking? Uh, so that would be like eight years, I guess. or nine sure. years. So I was at Menzel's for seven years. So I was like 15 to 22. So then I had a year or so. I would have started at Gatsby when I was 23. I uh, worked there for three years. Also, kind of, they have it, So, as I mentioned, they own the Rockingham Group. So Gatsby's like a cool kind of little divey cocktail bar. They also had an upstairs bar called Daisy's. And it was Sheffield's first. Uh, table service cocktail bar which for the you know at the time that was like a pretty brand new thing also Sheffield's up north I don't know how familiar you are the north of UK you know we have a saying it's grim up north so I guess that kind of thing was kind of unusual for Sheffield at the time kind of thought of as more of like a Londoner kind of thing like you know kind of stuff kind of vibes right. yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I guess Daisy's did all right but um, obviously downstairs at Gatsby was like a real party bar at the weekends that like, was open to like three or four Friday Saturday. so downstairs you'd have like DJs going on people slinging drinks and delicious cocktails <laughs> All so the crowd were dancing. Then upstairs, they called it the Calm Above the Storms. It was just like eight tables and mm. real, real bes- bespoke cocktails, you know, house-made syrups and um, shrubs and, yeah, the um, the air stuff, the uh, cream chargers. So uh, learn okay, how yeah, to yeah. Yep. use them as well. So yeah, I guess I got more into that, even more into like, the attention you give to cocktails to make them really representable really because that bar was like, you know, completely just tables. at the top of no food or anything. We've got some good tips for that. We yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, also have another bar called Pitcher House. They do like pizza and ping pong and it's huge. It's on Abigail Road, quite like hippie, bohemian area in Sheffield. So I used to just work there a few, do a few hours there as well. If someone needed me, which was quite a nice change uh because gaspy was in the city center so really real busy heaving every weekend it was also open like 11 uh in the morning till like 3 in the morning um mm-hmm. so we did food in the day tacos uh burritos and stuff real real delicious tacos uh like proper offensive stuff uh so lots trying to put lot um,
1: so what's okay. like what's kind of like you're saying that place was open from like 11 a.m to 3 a.m what's like an average shift for a bartender at a place like that are you working like eight nine ten hours what's
2: yeah, so they would split the uh, shift yeah. into um, you know, uh, opens and close. Uh, so it wasn't very often I was working doubles. I mean, I was, uh, I've was i only ever been a uh, part-time uh, bartender. Well, some, sometimes full-time, like during some holidays and stuff. But yeah, eight, nine hours during bank holidays, weekends could be a bit more like 12 hours. There's a festival in Sheffield every year called Tramlines as well. that always used to be a big one like a massive piss up as well so that'd be Friday to the Sunday lots of good bands on then you have to pay for a ticket for but then there's something called Tramline's Fringe Uh, so all the bars in the city centre would have like local like kind of smaller bands playing so town was always heaving you know they'd stop all their cars and stuff and that was actually introduced Mm -hmm. because Sheffield was like a proper university town Mm -hmm. so before that summers were dead like the bars and clubs used to really really struggle in the summers when all the students went home but the guy one of the fellows I mentioned earlier James O'Hara when the Rockingham group started this festival called Trumbines to try and you know, reinvigorate the economy, uh, night, nightlife economy a little bit during the summer. And it's, it's really, really worked. It's yeah. really, really worked. Oh, wow. the shepherd, yeah.
1: Now, the one thing, like when I was in London last, they were still on a, basically a no-tip culture. So obviously that's changed because mm. you were saying you were making tips at the one bar. Are bars mostly going with tips now or is it still the... Like the main amount of the bar is still no tip culture.
2: I think if you're going to somewhere like Daisy's, they've got another one called Public now as well, which is like built in a old public toilet. Um, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, those ones where it's like super, super intimate and it's just only a small amount of tables and you can, you're basically like right next to the bartender. I always feel like there's a little bit more of a need to tip in those kind of establishments. Right. I think if I was like, like yeah, if I was like a fancy cocktail bar and you're getting table service all night, then I. It's the table service that would make me tip. If I was going to the bar, someone to stand in a queue, a busy bar, I probably wouldn't tip now.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. So that's interesting. But so obviously, as a bartender, you're still making more of a living wage, then, right? You're not. See, for here, for instance, here in Canada, well, until just recently, bartenders and servers made less for minimum. It was there was like server and bartender minimum wage, and then there was regular minimum wage, which was more than that because they counted for your tips a little bit, but obviously oh, wow. that wouldn't Yeah, that wouldn't be the case in uh, in England. No,
2: no, no, I mean, yeah. well, I, th- I think the living wage now is uh, 11 pounds 5p an hour. I'm not sure how many bars actually pay that, pay a living wage or they pay a minimum wage. So for someone over 25, it's 11.05. I think minimum wage for a 25 year old, I'm not actually sure anymore, it might be like nine pound 50 or something. Oh wow. But it, ha- it has gone up to like meet the rising cost of living, but it's still not loads, I guess. I mean, it's enough to live off if you're careful. So, but again, I was only ever part-time. I never went into that salaried kind of part of it, like Manusbury right. or something like that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Give us a little bit of a color of the scene in Sheffield at the time. Like you said, there weren't a ton of like high-end cocktail bars. So what's kind of the bar scene mostly like there? And and I guess like kind of give us an idea of like even in the sort of higher-end cocktail bars, what are people
2: drinking? Hmm. Interesting. Sheffield's a real cool town. I mean, I only left because... I'd lived there my whole life and I stayed in uni there and I wanted to try something new and right. like I went to I Newcastle for a bit before I moved here. So yeah, it's a um, real cool city. Quite small, proper student town. Um, it's one of the greenest cities in Europe. So a lot of tr- trees super close to the countryside the Peak District. So very, yeah, imagine, maybe imagine like, I don't know. I people say like the Shire, but you know. Oh yeah. They're, they're urban than that. In terms of the bar scene it itself, there's some real cool spots. So there's Eccasaw Road, which I was talking about earlier, which is Kind of like a mix between the Harlem students then also just the very affluent kind of like middle-class Sheffielders. And so a lot of kind of like expensive um, bars and restaurants. Then you've got the City Centre, which is obviously a bit more of a mix of type of people. Very busy. There's a street called West Street, which is like the Student Street, and it just, you know, absolutely rammed over every week and people throwing up down the street. On night, lots of yeah. nightclubs, clubs. And then there's Abdel Road, which is like, like I mentioned, very hippie, very bohemian. They're kind of like Town. Like a lot of cool bars down there. and uh, this is what people are drinking, I guess. It's always like divided between. I'm sure you your with this yourself, like kind of popular drinks and then bartender drinks. Right. Um, so Gatsby, there were some real staples there. It was usually like the tall, kind of juicy ones. That's where you know the um, vanilla liqueur, vanilla vodka, cassis, lemon juice, apple juice. There's another one called a Jimi Hendrix. It's got like gin, elderflower liqueur, lemon juice, apple juice. So quite sweet and tall, fruity. There was zombies were a big one there with the, um, you know, the flaming passion fruit. Those things are real eye catchers that people are drinking. It's like, oh, what's that? Oh, I want one of those. Espresso right. martinis is a big one, Aperol spirits. In terms of the bartenders themselves, though, I mean, the kind of bartenders I always work with, they're all just mad on tequila and mezcal. It was always Tommy's, margaritas. Mezcal, nice is Palomas. Because mm-hmm. it's New Yorkshire, there's a lot of real ale. Really
1: oh right, it. yeah, <laughs> a lot of as well. Pretty <laughs> yeah, sure. So let's talk a little bit about your transition. At some point, you you pretty much left the industry altogether, but you're still keeping your your sort of your feet wet in it by with your sort of social media presence so talk mm-hmm. to me about like how you came up with the, with the idea to do that was that a pandemic thing or is it just like you wanted like you switched careers but you wanted to stick with like you wanted to make sure you were still in the world of bartending
2: yes cool so maybe a little bit of a long story um but we I was talking uh, <laughs> about uh Gatsby so I worked there for three years that was like a real party bar so I finished I did my master's also working part-time at Gatsby as well uh, which was in social research methods. So I think for like the last year I was working at Gatsby, I was just doing a lot of job applications, a lot of job interviews, kind of get a researcher kind of role, whether that was in the private sector, charity sector or university. Did a lot of interviews, maybe did like 13, 15, getting rejected, having a real hard time, to be honest. Especially working at Gatsby as well, where we were like getting smashed every weekend. With a lot of like you know, drinking behind the bar. Right. Real party vibes. And I, was, I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't be hung over all the time. Because <laughs> yeah. then there was the, the nights when you weren't, drinking you'd be going out with your colleagues getting smashed as well uh so i left there i went to a, a smaller bar called barrow boy on Abedale Road, owned by a real nice fellows so with Morgan and Charlie, proper lefties, and they paid a living wage and just a lot nicer hours as well. We we finished. I think the latest we opened to midnight. It might change now, uh, more of like a daytime kind of vibe. So that helped me getting like a better routine, a better more healthy routine, I guess. But I still drink, <laughs> but then yeah, I got managed to uh, secure an interview at a research company in Newcastle. So I moved up there, uh, left the bastard behind, which was quite emotional. It was um, very, very different, uh, going for that kind of like nightlife vibes to an office job. Yeah. Uh, working with a lot of Geordies, who are all lovely. Uh, <laughs> but getting very pushed put, put through my paces as well, because I was, uh, you know, an absolute junior, first ever office job. found it very challenging, but was doing all right. It was good work. It wasn't like the best paid, but um, it was like a foot in the right direction, a foot in the door. So I worked there for like a year, yeah, it's a really, really good experience getting good training and stuff and research methods. But then the pandemic hit, so that would have, what was that, March 2020, April 2020? So I would have started it, was, there, yeah. it
1: feels like it was March
2: 1984. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does feel like donkeys ago, do not I? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would have I started that research job in 2019. So started and then put into COVID 2020 and then got put on furlough with like absolutely no idea when I was going back to work. So I was actually, so it was a private company, but I was in the public sector team, like the research team doing research projects for charities obviously I had no money whatsoever during the pandemic yeah. so i was like put on indefinite furlough and in total i was actually on furlough for six months which was kind of cool <laughs> a little bit also so it was cool in the fact i was chilling and getting paid right. um and making a lot of nice cocktails but uh also like, the lack of job security was also a bit scary right quite near the start i was like well wow, looks like i will be on furlough here for a while i was living in a little flat in newcastle not really much going on even though i had like a because on people on furlough had a twenty percent pay cut. I don't know if you have that as well. But even with that pay cut, I still was better off because I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't traveling or anything. I suppose like most people, so I had a lot of excess money to like buy nice things, like nice booze and glassware and stuff. And me and my friend Louis, Louis Holiday, who worked at Barrett Boy with a bit of a younger dude at the time. I mean, he's quite a bit younger than me. He was like, "Should we start a cocktail page?" And I was like, "Yes, definitely." I mean, I'm not doing anything, so that's why it's called Two Barrel Furlough. Oh, so we're we both, to were both on furlough. He was on furlough from a bar called Pina in Sheffield, also a really really cool Mexican bar, very authentic tequila mezcal vibes in Callum Islands, which is the gentrified red, red light district. That was another area I've you about. <laughs> 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 but then, so I started doing a few posts, just like I think my first one was the Groning, so it was really really simple. were a, a few tequila mezcal ones. Do you remember my first one it was like a, it was like an orange Paloma or an a- Aaron. Shit, I've got up done set in Italian. That it was absolutely delicious. Some uh, like a, pl- a, a Paloma some orange, fantastic. So I started doing a few. I'd maybe did like four or five. And I was like, "Come on, Louis, what are you saying? Are you going to do one?" It could become apparent that he couldn't really afford to, you know, buy all the glassware and co- uh, spirits and whatnot. And um, he just never did it. And it was. Oh. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you already like, had the name at that point. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I carried up, and I just carried on. I was like, well. I'll, I'll keep the name. It's quite catchy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, actually, do you want to spell it out for the listeners at home in case they want to check it out right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, it's at uh, two with a number two, uh, Bro Furlow. Perfect. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, and so. Uh... I'm sort
1: of interested in that because obviously during the pandemic, tons of these pages started popping up, right? With people, oh, with yeah. bartenders doing these um, sort of like that's like social media cocktails, whatever. So how do you how do you stand out in this landscape where so many people are doing it? And like I, I, I think I first noticed your page because it got picked up by one of the... Like there's also... The funny thing about this is like there's all these bartenders doing their pages, but then there's also pages dedicated to reposting... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the bartenders have done on their own page, right? And sometimes that's how your page gets noticed. So maybe walk us through that whole process and, and, and how you think you
2: can stand out in the climate. Mm, interesting yeah yeah it's like like you say yeah there was so so many pages i think i follow a lot and a lot still follow me I, I guess when i first started i always just wanted to have like a quite a visually distinct style i think what, what i said in my head was it was amateur photography but professional cocktails right um so even though the pictures might not be you know on an amazing camera like DL, what is it? DL, S-L-R, whatever. Right. Uh, Can't proper fancy ones. Uh, I think I was doing it on like an iPhone 10 at the time. Now, so my pictures got a little bit high quality now of the 11. So I, don't, I, I really wasn't very good at talking. I mean, if you look at some of my early photos, there are some quite crooked, <laughs> uh, like a little bit off center and stuff. But I still don't want anybody to understand like angles. Like I tried to always keep it just quite clean and to the point and concise. So a nice slideshow. Uh, first image, just cocktail hits you right in the face when it's on your feed. It's not bogged down by, you know, everything going on in the background or, like, spirits and stuff. Right. Um, and then you can scroll along if you want to see what's in it. So I always take a photo with everything that goes in there afterwards. And usually, you, you know, the first shot is always the money shot. And then I do a screenshot of the videos that I do. So it looks like someone's making it for you. Yeah, um, so, you uh, kept, no. so you get that kind of, like, you're in a bar vibe, which was, like, a nice thing during lockdown because I actually had a lot of friends, a lot of my close friends who were following my page and, like, uh, we used to do cocktail clubs and stuff where I'd like do cocktail classes uh, virtually in lockdown, which was really nice. And then I was just doing a little video at the end, just in case people want to watch it. Right. Um, that's more of like a pleasant surprise to get to at the end. But I always try, try to have—I mean, in my flat in Newcastle, it was like a tiled background. Quite—I didn't really like was a bit nasty. But I think the tiles kind of like made it almost seem like it was in a bar. Right. And now in my house in London, I have a loft upstairs which has a nice white brick background, so I think that makes them quite, uh, the drinks pop. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot because you know, it's white and very neutral. So especially if it's like red cocktail, it really, really makes it pop. In terms and I only started doing reels recently, thought I really better get on the trend. It was something I was a bit against. Kind of like yeah. t- a little bit too old for TikTok. I'm 29, isn't it? Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you
1: almost have to do it now. Like I even yeah. know, posting for my own fucking bars, That like anytime I post a video or a reel at all, it's like the viewership goes up like by a multiple of ten easy on, on if you just posted a photo but it's also like i'm i'm also too fucking busy to be doing that all the time so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but yeah and so you're doing you have a full-time reg like dave gig now and you're yeah. also trying to keep this page going so yeah it's kind of like um does it make it easier because this is sort of like your your side hobby to your regular job and it's like are you at the point where you're thinking, oh, maybe I can monetize this someday or is it just still sort of a hobby for you?
2: Uh, that's a um, very good question. I'm really glad you asked that. Because um, yeah, it was definitely, it has been challenging when I got taken off furlough and uh, then when I got this new job in London to carry this page on. But I guess sometimes I have little dips where I'm like, I just can't be able to do this anymore. Especially I've got other like, hobbies and interests. I really love running, I really love going to the gym. I've got a girlfriend as well, so I've got to see her. And yeah. <laughs> I got my, my my job is pretty demanding as well. It's quite fast paced, like deadline driven. So sometimes I do have to work play, not that often, but sometimes I kind of grind my gears and I can't do my cocktail stuff.
1: So most of I, your, I, most of your dates with your girlfriend are though just her holding the phone and filming your. Cocktails. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. She's, asked, she's in a few of my reels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she has yeah. to wait until all the pictures are taken.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So yeah, like how how are you finding it? Like are, like uh, like Said, there's obviously times where you're just like, Why am I fucking doing this anymore? Right? Like, but, mm. but you have kept it going. So there's got to be a reason. Um, I don't know. Yes. So tell us, tell us what that
2: is. So, yeah. So, do, do, when I was first doing it in like in proper lockdown, like two years ago now, um, I did start getting like people, I, well, I was going to them at this point. I was just messaging like low, every small brand I'd see on Insta, and I'd like, you know, go through all like search functions and stuff to find different ones. I just met, you know, like small little brands like liqueurs or rums or gins that got like 300 followers. I messaged them like, hey, send me some samples over. Happy to, you know, put them front and, front and center next to my cocktails and showcase your product for you. And but a few answered me and sent me some stuff. So I've worked with like Woolies, the Cures, which is a nice little coffee liqueur, uh, Hog Norton, they do a wide selection of different fruit liqueurs. The London Square Spirits. I got some weedka, which is like a weed vodka, like weed-flavored oh. vodka. Oh, That's oh nice! Yeah. Got some kombucha. What do you find um, uh, just
1: while you're uh, talking about scrolling through this? Like, how do you find using that weed-flavored spirit in like a cocktail? Because I went to um, the Las Vegas bar and restaurant show one year, and they the year I went, that was like the big thing that everybody was presenting at the trade was like weed-infused spirits. And the uh, one thing yeah. I found about it was that it, the the problem is the weeds. Odor—it's just so overwhelming.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think mean, I think this one I got—I'm quite looking. It, it's pretty balanced, and it kind of just reminds me a little bit of um, Zabrovka. Oh,
1: okay, um, yeah.
2: It's kind of just like earthy, grassy vodka. Right. Um, I love that. I love that
1: Zabrotka, yeah. actually. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can—it it can definitely be like balanced stuff. Yeah, okay. but it's not too overpower. Uh, I think I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be a fan of that. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think what what you're saying, what keeps me motivated, yeah. is that I do I do actually get. Stuff to promote, which right. which is just really it's nice getting free booze, isn't it? Sure. I'll just do it for that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I yeah. spent, I've spent probably quite a lot of money on the page at this point, just like different spirits and stuff. Um, it's right. so anything I get back, And I actually did get a company um, message me recently called Yondu. I've got I have a Sumami post I did. Uh, it's like a new mommy vegetable dressing. And they yeah, came okay. to me and were like, can you promote us? And they were actually going to pay me, but it, that fell through. But that, I'm, I think I'm pretty close to start, hopefully, to start getting paid by companies. Well,
1: it sounds products. like it, right? Like if you're getting yeah. offers, even if they fall through, at least you're in the process where you're getting offers, which means you You've got to be close right so yeah so that's yeah, good yeah. so it's kind of like so that's yeah i mean you must feel good because i mean you obviously love bartending and making cocktails and now you're out of the business but you've still kept your foot in gave you something to do during the pandemic as like sort of a hobby and now you're coming around full circle to kind of making money off of it which is mm-hmm. very similar to actually what we did with this podcast really. where we uh we, we finally we have sporadic sponsorship but we're getting sponsorship now and it's like yeah this is just sort of something we kind of kicked off during the when the plague hit in the first place to give was something to do and give us a reason to see each other every week and yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that, so it's funny it's, it's it makes you feel good when it comes around you're like holy shit the money is actually starting to it's starting to pay off for some reason you know yeah 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 uh, so the one last thing i wanted okay. to ask you about before i won't let you get out of here is that i know you're not in the the bar industry specifically anymore but you are now living in one of the all-time great cocktail cities in the history of the universe. So, uh, like, <laughs> th- tell us a little bit about what the scene is like in London post-pandemic for cocktail bars. Like, did any real... Do we lose any treasures? Are most of the classic ones still there? Is there anything new that people should know about?
2: Mm, very uh, good question again. And to be honest with you, mate, like, I mean, oh, London's so expensive, I don't actually go out that much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> um, yeah. But I But I do try to. I mean, we went to a place called Little Little Bat Bar, in Highbury in Islington. And that was like, I'm very, very happy we found it because like the bartenders there know what they're fucking doing. You can ask, I mean, you know the place where you go, like, oh, can I get an Americano? And they're like, oh, you mean a coffee? And it's like, no, of course not. Um, <laughs> 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 and, and they knew exactly what I wanted straight away. I mean, I know that's like a bit of a pretentious way of looking at things, but the bartenders, I mean, anything they ask for. I mean, ask them for a siesta, the you know, tequila, Campari, I think it's grapefruit and agave and maybe a as well. Absolutely, really amazing, modern classic uh, tequila cocktail. I and mean, then you have to make that as well. I think we spent like 120 quid there that night just on drinks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I like my Mexican place as well. So I usually try and, well, there's a great place, Tigra Tacos in Stoke Newington. That's pretty close. I live in North London. So we try and stick around here. Uh, there's a great little bar around here called Bruhaha. So honestly, North London's just so much cheaper. If you go into Central, it's just like crazy. Right. But there are, a few places I want. There's a place called Nightjar. Okay, I want to check out. They serve cocktails and like seashells and stuff. So definitely want to oh, see cool, that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I just trying to, you know, the rising cost of living and stuff. Got to take it easy. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Well, I, well that's yeah. an
1: interesting thing to talk about because, like,
2: for, for like most of
1: our listeners will probably not know the answer to this, but like moving from somewhere like Sheffield to London, like how much did that increase your cost of living? Like, must be. Oh
2: yeah, big I think. Yeah. Well, obviously my salary has increased um, of course, as well, yeah, so, yeah. so I've I've managed to. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Was yeah. it could be doing better? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah I think, <laughs> couldn't we? Couldn't I, we are? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I'm comfortable. I'd say. Yeah, but, yeah, better. Better than a lot of people. I'd say. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think my rent in Newcastle was like. Well, that's why I, I only ever lived at home in Sheffield apart from at uni. What's well, so I think in Sheffield like three twenty for rent a month. Newcastle, I was paying like four hundred professional players. But now I'm paying $720, right. so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I live, yeah. I live pretty far out of the city, too. The transfer links are good. But I think, you know, monthly salary, as long as I'm careful, I can still go, you know, afford to go out I'm to a few nice places and to go for my friends right. and stuff. Yeah. Well, we really
1: appreciate you giving us the time today. And I know it's, uh, it's a lot later for you than it is for us. So, <laughs> and you're dealing with the fucking heat wave. But I, 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 I was like, we were before, talking before. i do not, who knows? I'm not sure if Rowan's going to show up for this, <laughs> but you did. We appreciate it. And just one more time for our listeners, talk, the address for your Instagram page.
2: Yeah, so that is at 2 bro furlough, And that is with a, a number two.
1: Nice. Awesome. Well, stay cool, my friend. And thanks for doing Thank this you. show. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks again.
2: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you both. And I hope you both uh, keep your podcast up as well. Oh, yeah, thanks. It sounds sounds, sounds like it's going, yeah. going really well. Yeah.